You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So the goal for today, no, not press conferences. <laughs> to be honest, the more I think about it, the, I think the less I care. It's just really just going to, I mean, I'm sure I'll get there. I feel like it's just going to lead to more speculation, which we've done plenty of up to this point and more speculation that is going to cause me to give opinions that I don't want to hold, like fire Matt LaFleur, because I, I do believe that's the wrong opinion, but these types of things are just going to continue to push me in that direction. So, for today, we're going to review the game, and we're going to do it live. I haven't done it yet. I don't have time to do a full review and then go back and do the podcast with like a, a semi-review, again, going through the game a second time. Like, I, I just... I. I don't have that kind of time. And even if I did, probably wouldn't do it that way. Seems like a waste of my time anyways. But the the good thing about me doing it this way is I I don't have any way of kind of slanting this or tilting this. If I come out and say, yeah, see, there we go. This this is the way it is. And this person's, and then all of a sudden they collapse. I just put my foot in my mouth. And so all I have are the sort of feelings that I had watching the game live, which again, the, the point of this is to confirm or deny or, or, refute I guess that I've already had PFF tell me I'm way off on McDuffie he was terrible why it was terrible confirm while at the exact same time telling me I'm wrong which is my favorite thing that I'm looking for and we'll get to what I'm looking for in a little bit my favorite thing to look for is to watch our offense and try to see if I can come to a place where I agree with PFF and that the only way that happens is if I watch the offensive line and say they sucked not just overall but specifically at pass blocking and also there really weren't any pressures. I don't know how that's even possible, but I'll, I'll be watching that to see if there is a situation in which that happens. Now, before we get to our, our first little comment here, what am I specifically looking for, charting, whatever? Um, honestly, this time around, I kind of don't want to be too strict. Usually it's like, okay, let's watch the D-line, let's watch, because there's too much to keep an eye on all at once, especially if you want to try to remember everything and um, make sure that you're correct. Like, for example, if I wanted to really hone in on McDuffie, it would probably be a good idea to track every single play so I don't miss any. So it's not like I'm just kind of casually watching and then four plays in, it's like, oh, dang, McDuffie, see, he's good. What happened on the last three? I don't know. I, I didn't think to look. 
I'm going to just kind of let the game play out. And that's that's got its positives and its negatives. Again, the negative being I, I can't fully hone in on specific players very well. But the positive is I, I just want to see the things as they happen. If there's a negative play, I want to be able to just watch the play and say, okay, what am I seeing here? What are my thoughts? As ill-informed on these matters as I am, as a fan, speaking to fans, what am I watching? What am I seeing? And what am I thinking? If a play did work, why? And, and again, just kind of go through some of my, my prior thoughts, my initial thoughts, just watching the game live and, and see. And one of the f- biggest initial thoughts I had is, as we all know, the first quarter was fantastic. A lot of people said first half. I'm telling you that is absolutely wrong. The defense fell apart at the beginning of the second quarter. But one of the things I noticed is right out of the gate, it felt much more aggressive. And I kept saying that while in the back of my head saying, I don't know that that's true. It just felt that way, whatever. The very first play, let me just tell you how they're aligned. And let me preface it with this. I I remember there was somebody else who had kind of highlighted a Green Bay Packers play and then circled the safeties and said, you know, made all kinds of comments about how unbelievably far out of the play they are. And they were way off. And I countered it. There was one safety 20 yards off and another safety was 25 yards off. And so I looked it up. I'm like, okay, what, what, what is standard for safeties? Just so we're all with a, a baseline. And, and Google said 15 to 20 yards. Now, obviously, that entirely depends on a billion different factors. Number one is, is the specific play call. Number two is sort of down in distance. I mean, if you're 25 yards off and you're standing with your toes at the back of the end zone, that maybe isn't great. If it's third and 20 and the you know your opponent is backed up and against their own end zone and so there's a lot of field to cover and they have a long ways it starts to make more sense right but but the point is it's like okay that's that's pretty far back even on the extreme side of how far back you would expect a safety to be right okay here's the first play and how they're aligned here are how many guys are within five yards of the line of scrimmage one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine players are within five yards of the line of scrimmage. Obviously, you have the defensive line and your edge rushers up on the line of scrimmage. Stokes and Jair are pressed up on the line. Quay and uh, Keyshawn Nix, who is playing slot, are four yards off the line of scrimmage. Four-ish, five-ish. The safeties are 10 yards off the line of scrimmage. They are on their own 15-yard line, which means there is a lot of ground behind them and a lot of ground to cover, and it's first down. The risk of a shot downfield here is relatively high. You take a shot and don't get it, it's second down. This is a very aggressive posture, at least, from Joe Barry. But that's not all, because what you actually have is a sort of late rotation, not not a post-snap rotation, but a late rotation to single high. Anthony Johnson, just before the snap, creeps forward and gets to the 21-yard line. So he is six yards off the line of scrimmage, which leaves Jonathan Owens, who is not a very good safety, to play single high safety. And he's still only 13 yards off the line of scrimmage. We have one deep safety, and he's only 13 yards off the line of scrimmage. And every single other player, 10 of the 11, are within six yards of the line of scrimmage. That's how we started the game. We have a five-man rush, and so obviously that is beneficial to our pass rush. And so obviously the pocket starts to collapse, and so Bryce Young throws it to his check down pretty quickly. We have Anthony Johnson, who rotated down. Good thing we did that. Rather, Imagine if he was 20 yards off the line of scrimmage. What position will we be in right now? He wouldn't be right there to make a tackle, would he? But it's not just that. When the ball is, is snapped, 
Quay Walker has one assignment, and he is able to beeline toward that one assignment, and he does, and that's the running back coming out of the flat. There are three other guys when the ball is thrown. Every single one of them has a defender with a hand inside their chest, and they're all still within five yards of the line of scrimmage because the the corners, I think they're all corners. Yeah, all three corners are playing these three players, and they're doing it aggressively. They are between three and five yards of the line of scrimmage by the time the ball comes out. And so for the first time seemingly ever, the Green Bay Packers are playing in a way in which it's like there's nowhere to go, nobody's open, there's no space anywhere, and it's because we're playing with a compressed field. You have less time, which means your players are able to get less far down the field. And in that small little space that you have to work with, all of our guys are smashed into that space. That's called putting your guys in a situation to succeed. Nobody has two guys to cover. Nobody has an extremely large piece of real estate to cover. In fact, the the hardest assignment was Anthony Johnson, who again was not only six yards off the line of scrimmage, the tight end right now is catching it right at the line of scrimmage, but he was also a little bit closer to the middle of the field. But because he's an NFL football player and has the ability to run relatively fast, by the time he catches it, he's within a yard of the defender, or excuse me, of the receiver, in this case, is a tight end. Now, unfortunately, that defender, Anthony Johnson, sucked. And he does what a lot of Packers players like to do way too often, which is rather than doing what they teach you in peewee freaking football, which is how to tackle, they like to throw shoulders. So he throws a shoulder at a very large tight end who, go figure, doesn't go down. That leaves Stokes to come up and try to make a play, who gets okey-doked, and the player is able to get nearly a first down. This is... A fantastic call by Joe Barry. It's exactly what we've been asking for. It worked to perfection. Everybody was in the perfect spot, and it should have been a zero-yard gain, and it became a nine-yard gain because of the failures largely of our safety. Cooper DeGene, please. Maybe that's what I can do. On every play, I'm going to write down which player I wish we had on this play, even if it's a successful one. It, it just, I'm, I'm just going to, that's exactly what I'm going to do today. This is going to be a fun one. Cooper DeGene is the guy that fixes this play. Now, if he's the single high, I don't know that it fixes it, but let's assume he's not, and he's the guy playing downhill, and he freaking smokes the tight end. It is a zero-yard gain, a great play call by Joe Barry, a great play by a defensive piece, and a zero-yard gain. Maybe as a secondary thing, I can look at bad plays and say, did it feel like a bad play call? Or, and, and I won't even say a bad play call necessarily unless it's obvious. Did it feel like the players did everything within their power to execute that play? If yes, then Barry. If no, then player. I don't know. It's kind of a secondary thing. I don't know if I'm actually going to write it down. Maybe I'll just stick with the one thing and I'll just comment on it and we can kind of leave it at that. I, I like to write everything down. I don't know why I'm stupid that way. I'm always doing too much. We're already 10 minutes in. We got to fly here. Next play, what does the alignment look like? We got four guys on the line, obviously. We have Stokes pressed up. We do have Jair and Keyshawn off a little bit, but again, within five yards. The linebackers are within five yards. And the deepest safety, again, 10 yards. You can call it 10 and a half or 11 if you want. 11 might be fair. But it's, it's, it's a very similar assignment. The difference being now we've put in a linebacker. Why? Probably because they have one yard to gain, and we're more worried about a run here. The other thing I love, and again, it doesn't feel like classic Joe Barry defense, at the snap, Quay Walker launches. Two seconds after the snap, when McDuffie gets acclimated, he starts flying into the backfield. Now, McDuffie realized that, oh, shoot, it's actually not a handoff, so he backs up. And here's the thing, he gets into position to cover, probably would have been a little bit late, 
but it doesn't matter because there's a sack anyways. But Quay Walker gets home and Preston cleans up. So what happened? I mean, this is what happens when you have a great play call and execution. What are we doing? We're being aggressive. So many, you know how many times I've seen a second and one where our linebackers, Quay and Devondre or Quay and McDuffie, stand exactly where they are and just kind of wait to see what happens and then try to attack later? Bro, they sent Quay Walker on a blitz and they try to play action pass and Quay Walker's able to get to the quarterback. This is beautiful. It's a work of art. Now we are sitting at third and eight after the sack, right? It was second and one. Now it's third and eight on the Carolina 17 yard line. Now, this formation obviously is going to look a little bit different, but it's still relatively aggressive. And I say that because it's a little bit of a single high look. And sure enough, right before the snap, they start to declare. You've got 36 running to the middle of the field. That's Anthony Johnson this time, maybe because they're trying to switch it up like, hey, Anthony didn't get it done last time. Let's try the other way. And Owen's now sliding down. Again, we have 10 players within 10 yards. When the ball is snapped, every single player is inside I didn't pick a player to draft on that last play. It worked, so I didn't really think about it, but I still wonder if I... I don't think I replaced McDuffie. I know he kind of made a mistake, but I I don't care. I like him. Anyways, everybody is... I can't see the yard marker, but I can, can kind of see the yard marker. They're inside. Kind of looks like it's at the 25. Everybody is well within the 25-yard line. The only guy that isn't is our safety. He's 10 yards behind the sticks. Now, I don't even hate that. If you're going to be this aggressive, you need to be very cautious. And it's really just a, a total... You don't really expect him to make a play back there. It's just if they get behind us, save a touchdown. Like, don't let him get a touchdown. That's basically it. It's very aggressive, and it's very dangerous. And it's going to burn you once in a while. But guess what? It worked. It worked beautifully. Because as I'm watching this, they've got one guy burning down the field. I can't quite see who it is. Um, I'm guessing he's just trying to clear out, but Jair stays right in his hip pocket the entire time. And then they've got, it looks like, I can't tell, maybe that's Tremble or something that looks kind of like a bigger body, look probably a tight end, I don't know. He's trying to work to the boundary underneath that sort of deep route, which is a very common, whatever it is, kind of concept you want to call it. We run it constantly, which is send a guy deep down the field, wrap somebody underneath him. And Jonathan Owens has airtight coverage. It's also a terrible throw. But as I look all around the field, tight coverage. So again, we've got good aggressive play calling and we have solid execution with the exception of that first play where we can't tackle. But aside from that, like this is it. This is what we want. This, this is, it's, it's, it's wonderful. Honestly, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm trying to be like, okay, who can I pick in the draft? Like I'm, I'm thinking a defensive lineman or something that could maybe get a little better push. Um, but I feel like everybody did a pretty solid job. Um, somebody even got their hand right in there. I think that's Preston again, getting to the quarterback. I mean, I guess we can go defensive line and call it Jerzon Newton. But I mean, the point is the, the pass was bad because the pressure got home. And I, I could just as easily say Cooper DeGene again, because, you know, I mean, if, if we're going to get pressure in those situations, I want to make sure we have coverage on the back end. We're clearly not going fast enough. We're, we're, let's just stick with defense at the very least and see how much defense we can even get through. There's no way we're doing offense today. I'll tell you what, I didn't even realize that NFL uh, Plus or whatever had reorganized it. I, I hated it at first. I was like, is this seriously how you're going to make me watch this? I freaking love the new layout. I can switch to what broadcast I want. I can pick the specific plays. This is amazing. But anyways, that is followed by a um, Lucas Van Ness roughing the kicker 15-yard penalty, which gives them the ball right back. Again, playing single high safety. This time we just declare right out of the gate. Um, 
everybody is within five yards. Stokes is about six yards off, and then you've got the safety. This is on first and 10. We're playing single high, playing up on the line. Every single person aside from the safety playing six yards off the ball. And we've got the linebackers just attacking. Why? Probably because we're not so at a, at a massive numbers advantage where we have to be concerned and we can just attack a single uh, a gap, I guess you can say. And so at the snap, um, the linebackers all sprint to the outside because that's where the play is. Somebody tries to chip McDuffie, but they can't because he's a freaking beast. They just shrugs him off like he's nothing. He sprints to the edge and makes a tackle. Unbelievable play by McDuffie. No gain. It's also a great play by Keyshawn Nixon, who was kind of lined up. He's in the slot, but it like kind of looked like we had three linebackers there, you know? He also identified and sprinted immediately, and good for him, because in reality... So here's the thing. McDuffie was able to beat the block because he was aggressive. We never are aggressive and can beat blocks because we're never just immediately just boom right out of the gate. So the guy couldn't get there. So again, I'm happy. I'm happy. Also... Aside from McDuffie, a guy with equal hustle, great play, Lucas Van Ness. Instant recognition. Grabbed the guy in front of him and just dog-walked him laterally down the line, staying out in front of him so that, you know, the blocker couldn't actually do his job, and then disengages and makes a tackle. And honestly, Jair, simultaneously, he was, he was a little bit back, but he was on that side of the field. Instant recognition, jumps out, and you know what he does? Which I don't know if it's illegal, if it's legal or legal or whatever dives at the legs of the lead blocker and just takes him out. Just takes him out. He's done. He's gone. Now, <laughs> he's he's freaking crafty with it. If you have the ability to go back and look, he does this weird thing where it's almost like, oh, my legs gave out, and he drops to his knees, flails his legs back, and then rolls into the legs of the, the offensive lineman. Like, I don't know if he actually tripped or if he just kind of like looked goofy doing it, or if this is like the most elaborate and impressive like fake trip to make it look like you're not diving at the guy's legs or what it is. But he just took out the lead blocker by basically putting on a play in which he got shot from behind. And it's glorious. So again, I mean, it's like, I, I, I like what we're doing defensively. Now, you know, again, I, I like it because it's working. And that's kind of the whole issue with saying, I like the play call. Because the fact of the matter is, if we're playing single, single high and we're attacking downhill and they take a shot down the field, and score a touchdown, guess what? The call's stupid. But that's that's really kind of beside the point because it's incumbent on the defensive coordinator to make the right calls at the right time. And based on what the offense did, this is the right call. Next play, same thing. Everybody, everybody up. Everyone is inside of five yards with the exception of two safeties. Now, we do have two safeties on this play. Second and 10, Carolina 32. But guess what? At the snap, we have one safety Roll down, so essentially we have what looks like three linebackers, and we have a single high safety again. So we have 10 men on the line, and they run the ball. I wonder why our defense is able to, to do a I wonder why our players are doing a better job. Because there's 10 guys! It's so much easier when it's 10 guys up on the line attacking, as opposed to, let's say, four defensive linemen with hesitant linebackers and corners playing off and safeties being off. I mean, no wonder there's a difference. And again, this all comes with risk. But as far as the ability to execute in this situation, there is no way in the world the other version of the Joe Barry defense that we're more accustomed to is going to be able to execute to the same degree as this version. In these situations, for example, where we're running the ball. And so they try to go to the outside. Lucas Van Ness is doing a pretty good job of holding that edge. I think he probably could have got around. I don't know why he necessarily 
cut around, aside from the fact that Jair is unblocked on that side. Because there's so many Green Bay Packer bodies, so Jair is just kind of hunting over there. You got Lucas Van Ness that's at least equal. He's not winning, he's not losing on the edge. And Jair is unblocked to that side, so he's like, all right, I'm going to cut it back. Well, Devontae Wyatt is holding his ground, so there's not much there, so he tries to cut way back, but Kenny's starting to close. Kingsley and Igbare is closing, and uh, go figure, here comes McDuffie, the madman himself, who sees the open hole and says, nope, that's my open hole. Careful. Slow down. All right? Just good lord. The point is, he sees an area for the running back to run, and he decides that that's his territory. That's what he does best. Would you control yourself? And then the next play is third and nine. Now, this is a slightly different look. At least, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm stopping it early to show like what the early reads are, right? The quarterback is standing there and this is what he's seeing. Now, we do have a couple guys a little bit further back, but not really. Stokes and Jair are not like way up on the line. But Jair is five yards off. Stokes is seven yards off. It's third and nine. And then um, Nixon in the slot is pretty close to being on the line of scrimmage. We have two safeties back, although one of those is only about nine yards back. So as opposed to being 20 yards in the backfield or 15 yards, our, our second deepest player, one of our safeties, is at the sticks nine yards back. The other one is one, two, three yards back from him. So our deepest player at this point is about 12 yards back. However, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven players on the line of scrimmage. Now, I'm not saying seven players close to the line of scrimmage. I'm saying on the line of scrimmage, seven straight across, one of those being our slot corner. So we have our slot corner to the far edge. Then we have, I think it's Preston, then Rashawn, then Kenny, then McDuffie, then let's just say Wyatt, I can't see, and then Quay. That's what our defensive line looks like. Is that, I mean, do we run this all the time and I just don't recognize it? Because I don't know what we're doing beyond that. As the play progresses, I've moved it forward. Jair has now crowded on the line. Now, I wouldn't say he's on the line of scrimmage, kind of like these other guys are, but he's he's pressed up. Also, again, one safety drops a little bit deeper, one safety comes up closer. Again, didn't come to the line of scrimmage, but we have a safety now at one, two, three, four, four and a half yards back. He is the third deepest player. He has jumped ahead of where Stokes is. And our deep safety is now 17 yards deep which is like the deepest we've had a safety back, which, yes, does kind of take him out of the conversation as far as stopping short of the sticks, but I don't care because 10 guys are short of the sticks. His job is to be an actual safety, which is if they happen to get behind us, you either get to that person or prevent a touchdown, which I'm fine with. Again, I don't care if one guy is out of the actual play of stopping the first down conversion. If 10 guys are up on the line of scrimmage, more or less. And so of the guys on the line, Basically, every single one of them rushes. We bring a six-man rush. Now, it isn't as effective as you would necessarily hope, but the rush does get there, and it does create some kind of, uh, some level of complication. And at the very least, another thing it does is create panic in the quarterback to realize, I don't have time, go, 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 you know. So the the part of the issue is, are you really thinking deep shot? Because they they did have one player run deep, which probably, again, was just to clear out, but one guy run deep. That was on Stokes' side, and Stokes ran stride for stride with him. Great job by Stokes. The safety also immediately books it to that side. Good on him. And essentially, a person did get open, which is unfortunate. But I'm still going to say the play worked. I mean, it was an errant pass, probably due to the six massive human beings bearing down on the quarterback, one of them being centimeters away by the time he launched it. 
You could argue it was a clean pocket, but not a comfortable pocket. Now, as far as the breakdown, essentially it came down to number 36, which again is rookie Anthony Johnson, who's had a little bit of a rough start here, getting beat in coverage. So who do I want? Again, Cooper DeGene. Now, do we really need him because we got the job done? Not necessarily, but it just takes a nearly perfect drive drive and more or less makes it a perfect drive. Could you imagine if instead of throwing a shoulder and missing a tackle, we lit a guy up? And instead of kind of just getting whooped in coverage by Adam Thielen, you actually were able to stick with him in coverage and it turns out nobody ended up getting open and we probably get a sack on this play. Or if he's smart enough to do it, just a throw out of bounds to save his own skin. (sighs) Tell you what, though, let's take a break. We got to fast forward a little bit because we are not covering nearly enough ground. So what I think I'm going to do is fast forward to the start of the second quarter. Now, I don't know. I don't think it was necessarily the first play. But again, when I started to notice things unraveling, we were early in the second quarter. So we will fast forward. And again, I'm just going to describe it. And I'm going to do the best I can to give you a very clear picture of what I'm seeing. And and what I saw here, I loved it. I loved it. And listen, again, you know, maybe you you try to run this against the Chiefs, you probably get killed. Right? This can't be every single time. You can't be mugging the line you know, bring in six, you know, single high, press man coverage. You can't do that every week against every opponent. And I'm not advocating for that. I'm I'm excited to see it because we haven't seen it. And I'm also excited because it worked. And it's good to see our players get kind of unleashed a little bit to show what they can do and really just kind of shove it in your face in that kind of a way. And also to have it used in an in, in a impressive way. Number one, I like it because of the opponent. This isn't the Chiefs, this is Carolina, and they don't have a good enough quarterback to necessarily beat this, at least not on a consistent basis. Number two, they don't see it coming. This is not how the Packers play, so this is not how they game planned coming into this, which is why it works. They come out with a with you know that first series scripted based on what they expect you to do, and you're running a completely opposite style defense, it's not going to work. You're coming out thinking we're going to dink and dunk our way down the field because they're going to give up all the easy short passes, and they take all that away. You know what I mean? But that's what being a good defensive coordinator is. It's it's doing those kinds of things and then constantly adjusting, constantly moving, constantly changing, constantly evolving, not year to year, but freaking week to week, quarter to quarter, play to play. But all right, let's take a break. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy is where you can support the podcast. Otherwise, Venmo is Packernet podcast. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. 
when I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, so this is the start of the second quarter. We've skipped ahead a little bit, but I just want to see if there's any difference. So very first play, we have five men on the line of scrimmage. We have two of our three corners sort of pressed up. We have Quay as the lone linebacker. He is one, two, three, four, five yards off. Stokes is also about five yards off. Anthony Johnson is 10 yards off, 1, 2, uh, 11, 12, 13, 14, and then that leaves Owens about 14 yards off. Um, so right off the bat, it feels different early. It's similar, right? We, we still have, um, at the very least, we have our two corners kind of pressed, two of our three, although one, of, although one of them is off. Our linebacker is a little bit back, I guess, but not a ton. And then we've got the two safeties it, it, it's similar, but we'll see how it gets as we get closer to the snap. Are we going to get a safety rotating down? Is Stokes going to press up? Is Quay going to kind of mug up or what? Now, again, we got a safety kind of coming straight down, and then Quay fires, okay? So right off the bat, first play looks at least somewhat similar. They're different, but, but conceptually similar. And it was almost a fantastic play because Quay fires in but isn't quite fast enough to get there and blow up the play in the back. It's not a terrible thing. I wish he was a little bit more aggressive. He starts to hesitate, which I'm starting to think is just a part of his nature. Um, as he gets further down, an offensive lineman is able to kind of come over and block him enough so that he can't make the play. But we still have enough people rallying the ball to be able to bring him down. It is a very small gain of, I think, three yards. So now second and seven. And again, It looks very similar, different, but similar conceptually in that there's one safety deep and everybody else is not. I'm not going to sit here and count and give you all that. That's just what it is. And it's not even like early on. It's it's one. No, it's just everybody's just up. That play ends up incomplete. Now we have third and seven. And this one is is sort of opposite. Everyone is up at the line of scrimmage early. We have, let's see, literally one, two, three, four, five, six, Seven guys up at the line of scrimmage. Now, two of them are corners, but still. And Quay is one to to a half a yard off the line of scrimmage. And then we have, I can't tell which of the safeties. We we got one of the safeties and Jair are one, two, three, four, five yards back with one safety. So it's looking very similar. Third and seven. This time, however, at the snap, McDuffie bails, Jair bails, Quay bails, and the safety bails. So we actually have kind of a strange thing where um, whatever safety that is in Jair bail into, it looks like too deep. And at the point of the throw, they are 20 yards away from the play, actually closer to 25 yards. And you can say, well, maybe he's playing too far off. First of all, I, 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 there's a difference between at the snap being you know three to four yards too far back 
than you should be. It's another thing to talk about how deep you're supposed to drop on a given play. But also the fact that these two players are perfectly in sync. I mean, they're at the exact same yard line. They are dropping with the exact same depth at the exact same rate. They are 25 yards off the play by the time the ball is thrown. So they are, again, out of the play. It is a four-man rush as opposed to, you know, like the five, six, seven-man rushes we've been seeing, which does give him additional time. And we essentially have two players running at the exact right depth because we have sort of three guys. So you've got your four rushers. Then you have three guys that are about at the sticks-ish. And you have two that are way too deep. That leaves a lot of gaps. And two, two receivers end up going right into the gaps. And honestly, they should have gone to Thielen. There was a bigger gap over there. But the bottom line is we, we spread ourselves out so much it leaves space. The quarterback had time because we only rushed four. He waited for a receiver to go into the space. It was still a relatively tough window, but there was space. He threw it into the space, and it was a first down. And not only was it a first down, it was, let's see, uh, so that would be five. It was 10 yards past the sticks. Now, could somebody have played this better? Eh. Jair was too far away. He started crashing pretty quickly and couldn't get there. The only one, it looks like Owen starts kind of booking it as fast as he can to get from the middle where he was to where the player is, but he wasn't fast enough. He was the only one that was even slightly um, able to get there in time. And really, this is kind of a damned if you do to a damned if you don't, because I, I, I mentioned that Thielen would have been a better throw. 34, Owens was covering Thielen across the field, so he ended up going to the, let's say, left side of the field. That's when the quarterback recognized it through the other way, and then he doubled back to go try to cover him. The other two players that are sort of in this bracket, so by the time he catches it, you see three players around him, but nobody actually there in time. One of them is Jair, who is probably 10 yards away by the time the ball was thrown away from the receiver. And then there was another guy playing another zone, which just, again, there's just so much ground to cover. But it's, it's damned if you do, damned if you don't. If Owen stays closer to this receiver, Thielen's going to be wide open. So the bottom line is there are going to be wide open areas in the field. This play only works if, A, you have pass rush getting there fast enough so that they doesn't have time for the longer developing routes, which, you know, again, it doesn't take hardly any time at all for a receiver to run 15 yards. It just doesn't, which actually ties in pretty well with, with the final thought on this play, which is, again, I don't see anything wrong with what the DBs did on the backside. There's just too much ground to cover. That means the only remaining question is, did the pass rush not get home fast enough? And I think if you were going to make a anti-player defend Joe Barry argument on this play, it would be that. I, by my count, it was three seconds my, by my stopwatch on my phone. However, again, may I just say a point of frustration that I have with the current situation. The pressure didn't get home fast enough, right? And there's too much space on the field. We have four guys blocking. They have six pass blockers, if you include the running back who stayed back to block. So it's a four on six. We drop everybody and, again, aren't able to cover enough ground. Because, again, we're spacing too much. Just my own personal source of frustration. Now, again, if Jair was too far back and there wasn't supposed to be that amount of space, fine. But you'd have to explain to me why the safety on the other side dropped to the, to the millimeter the exact same depth. Either they're both exactly wrong to the exact same degree, or in this case, maybe Jair was not supposed to drop that far, but the other safety was, and Jair just didn't quite fully understand his assignment. I have multiple problems with that. Number one, Jair's not a safety, and yet we have a 
you know, safety in the middle of the field and and two deep safeties, one of them being Jair, who is maybe our best cover guy who is being taken off, taken off the field and out of position. Number two, again, if you're telling me that for whatever reason Jair was supposed to play up and the other safety was supposed to play back further, which makes basically no sense, then there would have been a gap still on the other side of the field. So the only way that this works is if both of these guys are wrong to the exact same degree, but I still don't understand why we rush four and then create so much space on the back end so that it's not even useful to drop that many pieces because you're still not covering enough ground by our own decisions. Because, you know, it's not like we're rushing four and dropping seven, which is somewhat ideal. It's more like we're rushing four and dropping five and taking two guys off the field. That's what I don't like. Next play, what are we doing? We're pretty tight to the offensive line. We got single high safety. We have one, two, three, four, five, five guys on the line. We have what appears to be Jair in tight man coverage. The other two corners on the opposite side are off. And then we have two linebackers on this play. So we have five guys on the line, two guys additionally in the box there. So we got seven guys up close ready to make a play. Because of our numbers advantage, which we very rarely ever have, this leaves a massive gap. Quay Walker runs right through the gap, tackles the running back for basically no gain. This is a great play call. This was a, I mean, a good play by pretty much everybody, especially Quay, but a pretty easy, straightforward play to make. There's a gap. There's a running back in the gap. Run forward and tackle him, and he did. Not, I'm not saying anything bad about Quay, but this is what it. This is what it means to put your players in a good position to succeed. You make it easy for them, so that, I mean, any old freaking schlub could do this job. All right, what do we got on the next play here? We're now second and nine. Carolina 46. We got four guys on the line. We have essentially five at the next level and two safeties. They're standing about 12 yards back. So they're back a little further than we were at the start. Again, I don't know how this is going to change. This is just the start of the play. The other thing I'm seeing now is the offense has trips to one side. So Jair is to the far side. There's nobody over there, but there is a running back. So automatically, just from my standpoint, I'm looking at it again, saying Jair is kind of being removed from this play. Now, I'm assuming they're in zone coverage based on all, all of this. Otherwise, Jair would not be standing by himself to this side. So maybe he'll be able to, to cover if somebody eventually runs to his side. But it just feels like the offense is trying to maneuver things around to put themselves in a more optimal situation. But they end up running the ball, and so it doesn't matter anyways. We have, again, a, we're very crowded up by the line. They do end up getting a couple yards, and I do wish, I mean, as much as I like McDuffie, this is one of the few times he kind of just hung back a little bit, and it kind of came back to bite him because, you know, it's kind of like what we've been seeing from Quay and Devondre a lot where you stand there. The offensive lineman's able to push you around, and you got to try to navigate and tackle him after the fact, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, still a good play by the defense. I felt like they were going to change that and throw, and maybe we'd be in trouble, but um, they ended up running into our loaded box, and it didn't work for them. Go figure. All right, next time we got uh, four guys up front. We got Quay kind of mugging up a little bit where he looks like he's kind of on the line, but maybe he drops, and we are just straight up single high. So aside from the late rotation stuff, this is pretty pretty much what we've been doing in this game, right? A lot of single high safety stuff. So on this particular play, they run, uh, Adam Thielen kind of gets behind, so you've got your, your defensive line. You've got your second level. Now, the second level largely drops in this case, and then you have your single high, and our single high safety drops off the freaking screen. He's back. I don't even know how many yards. Looks like from the line of scrimmage, he gets at his deepest to about 27 yards of depth. 
But essentially, all they're doing this is this looks like they're they're running primarily just one guy, and that is Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen gets behind the second level player. He's going to wrap around behind to try to find a, a little gap between those guys, which is created by running some curl routes to draw these people away from the middle of the field to create a nice little window. And then Thielen just he runs a little in route. We could say, well, Stokes just got blown up in coverage, and fair enough. I mean, it's it's man to man coverage. That's your assignment, but. The, the two things that I would point out is when you have single high safety in the middle of the field, I'm guessing what you don't want is to allow them to get outside of you. I don't know. I'm not a coach. I don't know what you coach these guys to do. But if it's up to me, I want to push you toward the middle of the field if at all possible. So he's trying to play with outside leverage. The Panthers obviously know that. So Adam Thielen has exactly the leverage he wants. He's being given the inside of the field. And so what does he do? He shoves his hand inside of Stokes's chest, cuts to the inside and catches a pass that's just waiting for him. I'm not sitting here calling for a flag. I mean, it just is what it is. That's how these things work. So I don't necessarily think anybody did anything wrong. I'm not going to call for Joe Barry's head on this one. However, I will say the Panthers are starting to recognize some things. And I think they're starting to say, if you're going to play like that, then we're going to play like this. And on third and five, they gave up about 12 yards. So the only thing I would say is it's just one play. Joe, you got to start making some adjustments though, because they're figuring this out. And when I said they picked up 12, I mean, he caught it at 12 and then Picked up a couple extra after that. I don't know how many you got. And then after that comes a big, giant, hulking run uh, for freaking, I don't know. He, he got a first down, so that's 10, call it 13-yard run on first down. So he, here's a couple things. Number one, from a player-messed-up standpoint, TJ Slayton is useless. I mean, he is the big, strong guy that shouldn't be able to be moved. One offensive lineman pushed him clear across the field. Number two, from a schematic standpoint, If any human being sat here and said, where do you think would be a good place to run? You would point to the exact spot that they ran. Not based on the offense, based on the defense. So there are, let's just say there's two guys head up on the center. And and by that, I mean, you got Slayton head up on the center and then Quay Walker directly behind him. So not to the left and not to the right. To the right of the center, we have one, two, three, four, five guys to that side. We're going to not include the safeties in this. There are five guys to that side. To the left of the center, there are two guys, Preston and Jair. Where do you think they ran? And you say, yeah, well, how are they aligned? Did they have a bunch more to the right than to the left? Because that's why we're overloaded. They had one more person to the right than to the left. And actually, that's not even true. If, you, if, you're, if you're counting the wide receivers, then it was equal. And since I'm counting the corners, then I guess, I guess we should count the receivers. So it was equal. They ran to the left. Because that's where they had the numbers advantage. And go figure, he rips 13 yards. And so th- this is similar to what I'm talking about with rock, paper, scissors, where we overload the left and they run to the right, looking from the defensive van- vantage point. But it's not even necessarily rock, paper, scissors, because it's like we're throwing rock, and then we're giving them an opportunity to throw what they, whatever they want after that. How, how, in what universe are we going to, to win that? It's one thing to be bad at rock, paper, scissors. It's another thing to be bad at rock, paper, scissors and to declare what you're doing first. So that was dead on arrival. And then add in TJ Slayton just getting whooped, which to be fair, he starts off by being double teamed. So he's already kind of getting getting rocked pretty hard. And the other guy just kind of cleans up the rest. You know, he's off balance from the double team. And then the other guy just gets inside of him and continues pushing. And again, there's a double team because he's the only guy there. It's man to man on Preston. It's a double team on Slayton. And then from the center over, they're just handling everybody else. Or I should say from the, from the right side over, they're, they're handling their business. But the center is able to get up to Quay because why not? And so it's, it's essentially three on three to the left side. You have Quay up against an offensive lineman. 
You have Slayton, who is handling a double team in loss. And then you have Preston, who is aligned kind of out wide, which already creates space. And so once he, so there's a bunch of space. Once he breaks through, you have Jair, who's being blocked. You have, um, you know, let's just say Anthony Johnson, who's being blocked. And then a single high safety who has to come down and make the play. And that's who at least tries to and fails to make the play is, uh, let me see if I can get the number there. I think that was, I think that actually was, was that Anthony Johnson again? It was. So, so in this case, again, they got Anthony Johnson playing single high. He has to come downhill and try to make a play, and he absolutely does not. I mean, it kind of looks like he helps because somebody else comes in immediately. I don't know if that's Owens. Let me go back a little bit and see who that was. Yeah, Owens basically jumps on his back and goes for a piggyback ride, which eventually brings him down. Uh, Anthony Johnson just whiffs. So I, the three times I've seen Anthony Johnson be forced to interact with a play, he's been awful. And then after that, I believe, is the scoring drive. And this is the one I've already mentioned to you, is, is sort of those rock, paper, scissors situations. So again, it looks like we're staying with the single high stuff. We're, we're going to be single high, and we're going to be you know close to the line of scrimmage and generally aggressive, although sometimes we bring more than not. Sometimes we drop more than not. But that's kind of what we're playing right now. We got four guys up front. Everybody else that isn't a safety is sort of at that next level, and that next level is only about two to three yards behind our defensive line. At the snap, Quay Walker blitzes. Isaiah McDuffie then crashes down on the inside. They run a pitch to the outside. Quay Walker, by the way, was to the play side. So he would have been able to make a play, more than likely, if he had been in sort of the prototypical Joe Barry, stay back and watch out for crazy stuff situations you say well see then you ask for this and you get that i'm not asking for anything in particular i'm asking to call the right things at the right time and if you keep doing the same things over and over again you're going to be manipulated if you ask quay to sit there and go all day long they're going to call plays that take advantage of that if you send quay on blitzes so that he can't you know either contain or chase down to that side and you know run him to the boundary then we're going to loop them around. And sure enough, there's nobody there. And, you know, you can say, well, Rashawn didn't hold the edge. There's no edge, bro. Th- this is like an end-around pass. There's too much depth. There's no edge rushers that are covering an edge that includes 10 yards deep into the backfield. So he runs around the outside, and there's nobody there. There's nothing there. Now, yeah, we can get pissy about Jair Alexander screaming from the opposite side of the field to try to make a play. By the way, Jair Alexander was the one guy that recognized this from the start. He's pointing and screaming to the other side of the field as the rest of the defense is caught unaware. And Jair is the only guy, when every single other person on the defense is standing there, Jair is the one guy sprinting to the other side of the field trying to make a play because he's the one that recognizes what's going on. And while the two other defenders, um, let's see, we got number 36 again, and Keyshawn Nixon are standing there trying to figure out what best to do in terms of like, how do I get around this blocker? And like, I'm trying to like not get over pursued. I'm a little worried that he's going to cut back to the inside. And I don't know. Da, da, da. He's the only one coming in like a heat seeking missile. And yes, he threw his whole body into the guy when he should have grabbed him. That's true. And if he had done that, then he probably would have been down at about the three yard line, as opposed to scoring a touchdown, which would have been a touchdown anyways. I'm sure of it. So that is, that is a problem for Jair. But am I going to sit here and freaking crucify the one guy that actually is seeing what's going on in this defense, the one guy that's able to first identify the issue, the guy that reacts and acts the fastest, the guy that's able to sprint to the opposite side of the field and make a play, or at least attempt to make a play? No. 
I'm not. I mean, that, that, that's a footnote. Hey, man, remember, grab them. This was the exact wrong play at the wrong time. I mean, the, the fact that we're going to sit here and expect Jair, if Jair had just not even tried, he wouldn't have been crucified. If he'd have just sat there and gone, well, that sucks, nobody would have been mad at Jair. If he would have just jogged to the other side, nobody would have cared because nobody would have expected a guy the furthest to the opposite side of the field to get on his horse and actually hustle that far across the field anyways. So at, at best, it would have come down to, well, Anthony Johnson should have just booked it as quick as he could, as fast as he recognized this to try to make a play, and there's some truth to that. And Keyshawn Nixon maybe could have tried a little harder. This that's 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 entirely beside the point that they called a play that we call all the time, and there's nowhere to go because there's six, seven, eight defenders that crashed down to that side of the field. Why was it there was nobody on that side of the field for the Packers? Why did that happen? Why is it because the the Packers players are so stupid they just forgot to cover half a field? No, it's it. Everybody did what they were supposed to do. This was the exact wrong call at the exact wrong time. Anyways, we're not covering nearly as much ground as I had hoped. We do have to take a break. We'll come back, and I just have some general comments. I'm not even going to cover any more. I was thinking about fast forwarding to the fourth quarter. Maybe we will if I don't, if my comments don't take very long, but that's unlikely. Um, so why don't we take a break and we'll be right back. So here's my comments. And again, I have not listened to it, but I get the general gist of it, that apparently Matt LaFleur has thrown the freaking offense under the bus because apparently the defense was gassed, and that's why the um, that's why they scored so many points. That's why the defense struggled as much as it did. I very, very specifically went to the first drive, the first defensive series in the second quarter for the Green Bay Packers. This is the start of the second quarter. There is no earlier I can go in this game without going into the first quarter for the defense. Up to this point, you know how many three and outs there have been by the offense? Zero. In fact, the, the, the plays that preceded this were nine plays, 74 yards and a touchdown, and 12 plays, 79 yards and a touchdown. They took four minutes and five and a half minutes. So two quick points uh, to to further this discussion because I'm I, I I'm not buying it that they scored 30 points like in the fourth quarter when they were tired or whatever nonsense we're talking about here. If the defense was gassed this early, perhaps it wasn't the offense that did it. Maybe it's the defense's fault. Now, granted, that first series was good aside from a Lucas Van Ness penalty that caused them to stay on the field, which culminated in eight plays that lasted three and a half minutes, which is not super long, so they shouldn't be tired. The next one, however, was eight plays, 30 yards, two minutes. So if that's a long time or a lot of plays, I know it's not a lot of time, then it's the defense's fault, but I don't think so. So explain this to me, because they're already starting to fail. And the next drive by the Packers, 10 plays, 10 plays, 30 yards, two and a half minutes, two minutes, 40 seconds, which isn't the longest period of time in the world, but they scored. What are they supposed to do? Say, nah, don't kick the field goal. Let's go for it on fourth. Not for the sake of getting a touchdown, of course. No, I want to just get a first down so that we can drain more clock because I don't want our defense to get tired. What are you supposed to do? They scored. The next time the offense was on the field, 12 plays, 60 yards, three and a half minutes. Touchdown. After that was four plays, eight yards, 18 seconds. Did they punt? No, it was the end of the half. They literally did not 
punt one time in the first half. They scored every single drive. Oh, but they punted that that next time around. It wasn't a three and out, but they did dare to punt. Now, that does suck, but occasionally you do punt. But can I again posit a theory? Now, remember, the defense should not be tired up to this point because the offense has done nothing wrong to make them tired. They gave up a 16-play, 57-yard drive that took eight and a half minutes. That's their own damn fault. They are not tired because the Packers punted. This is immediately after the half ended, by the way. So they are not gassed. So I'm, I'm leaving aside the part where this whole thing is nonsense anyways about, oh, they were tired. Bro, shut the hell up. But I've, I've already made this, this point in the past about people who are like, well, you know, the, the offense is, is making them tired. No, they're making themselves tired because they refuse to get off the field. By the way, after that 16-play, 57-yard, 8.5-minute drive allowed by the defense, which, which is the reason they are making themselves tired, what happened now in the fourth quarter which that ripped through an entire quarter by the way end of the quarter 11 plays 66 yards five and a quarter minutes touchdown green bay packers the defense has only been forced to be on the field once and they allowed it to be eight and a half minutes 57 yards then you get the most horrific thing that's ever happened to an offense ever a three and out followed by a panthers touchdown then a three and out and then a touchdown. Oh, that's on the offense. That's on the offense. It's 100% on the offense. Now, it's true. The, the going three and out is not a good thing. That sucks a little bit. And, you know, losing another freaking wide receiver like Tentavian Wicks and Aaron Jones being basically benched because he's hurt and our offensive line crumbling and not being able to run. Like, these things factor in. Also, we should be good by this point as far as score. But here's another point. After that first punt, what did the defense do? Did they give us the ball right back and get off the field so they can they can run to the sideline and try to get their breath only for the Packers to go three and out again? Oh, those darn... No, they allowed 11 plays, 63 yards, which took four and a half minutes off the clock. After the next punt, six plays, 55 yards. Now, the time is less, but they're obviously trying to conserve time. That's just clock time. It doesn't matter. Six plays, 55 yards is what the defense allowed. You're telling me that I have to blame that on the offense? And then the next time the offense got the ball back, what do they do? 10 plays, 61 yards, three and a half minutes, field goal. The offense essentially asked for a breather two times in this game. They're like, look, can we just get a little bit of a break and then we'll go back to scoring? We have scored literally every freaking drive, not quite literally, but pretty close, nearly every drive that we've touched the ball. And we'll go right back to it. Can we just, can we get like two series where we can just kind of like, regroup a little bit and what did the defense do 11 plays 63 yards touchdown six plays 55 yards touchdown and the offense goes well freaking guess not i guess we can't count on you idiots to do anything thanks for your help thanks for nothing we got to go back out there and try not to lose this freaking game we have to score more points now and they did and then we won the game not because of the defense not because they got a stop but because the clock ran out before they could punch in a touchdown or at least kick a field goal to tie it, because they would have done both. They would have gotten a, tie, a, a, a field goal if they had one more second on the clock, and if they had 30 more seconds, they would have gotten a touchdown. Are you freaking kidding me? So, all right, here we go. Here we go. I, I figure if I'm going to sit here and rant and rave about it, we might as well get the full context. So here's the full freaking context. You better about that side of the ball than you did last week? Oh, certainly. I mean, that was definitely frustrating. Um you know, I think, but it wasn't just... It was- 
pause. Hold on. Let me let let let's do a full analysis of the first part of this answer, shall we? Full on analysis of the answer. So the clearly the question was, you know, about the defensive side of the ball. And the question asker is trying to get Matt LaFleur to hold some freaking accountability for the people on defense. So let's break it down. Let's start at zero seconds. Any better about that side of the ball than you did last week? Okay, so he starts answering at three seconds. Okay, ready? Here we go. Certainly, I mean, that was definitely frustrating. Okay, this is six seconds. Certainly, uh, 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 that was definitely frustrating. So certainly... That was definitely frustrating. That's that's um, three seconds and five words. Continuing, um, you know, I, I think, but it wasn't just it wasn't just on the defense. I mean, <clears throat> okay, so three seconds and five words dedicated to the defense's culpability in this effing train wreck of a performance. This is a thirty-seven second clip. So if we subtract the six seconds dedicated to the question and him answering in the affirmative, that leaves 31 seconds of Matt LaFleur saying something else. Let's see what that something else is. I mean, offensively, you, you got to give them a, a breather, especially if we're bleeding a little bit defensively. We got to find a way to, you know, put together a scoring drive. We got to find a way to get some first downs to allow those guys to recover, recoup. Um, momentum's a crazy phenomenon. And I think they just, they got the momentum in the, in the second half and uh, they were rolling and really in every phase. All right. So that ends it at 35 seconds. So we, we can cut off two seconds of that, I suppose. But I want to, I want to uh, commend Matt LaFleur on the 32 second response three seconds of which was essentially, yeah, you know, we got to be better on defense. The rest was, however, the offense is at, at fault and we lost momentum because the offense and, and everything about the offense and, and none of this is even true. That's the other thing. It's one thing if like the offense had a bad performance. If we had lost the game, you know, 30 to 10, to sit here and go, yeah, but it wasn't all on the defense. The offense also bears some responsibility because they couldn't maintain possession, and that makes it hard on a defense, and that's true. But that isn't what happened. And the fact that you have an offense with all these injuries and no experience, and you're going to throw them under the bus after hanging 33 points, wildly unacceptable. I've already covered a good amount of the information as far as the the play-by-play and the breakdown of the drives, right? Let's see what else I can find here. He said that we've got to be able to find a way to put together some first downs, right? Did you hear him say that? We've got to find a way to get some first downs. To We've got to find a way to get some first downs. Allow those guys to recover. Rec- to allow those guys to recover and recoup. Okay, let's look at how many first downs they got. Um, let's see here. They scored, or scored, they had 26 first downs in this game, which is the second most of the entire season. The second most of the entire season was in this game. But you're going to blame it on not getting enough first downs. And you know what? There's an element of truth in terms of it wasn't enough to compensate and help out the defense. That's true. But was it enough to satisfy the requirements of an offense? Yes. 
because the offense did a good job. We have to sustain drives. Again, they scored on six of nine drives. Six of nine. Now, it's true that it was only two of three in the second half, but at what point does the defense hold some responsibility? Remember, they started this whole thing off by giving up a 14-play, 72-yard touchdown. Their team scored three, uh, the, the, the three out of the first four series. The only time, and again, the only reason they didn't score in four out of five is because they didn't get an opportunity on that last drive. I mean, they, they went into halftime at 23-10. The Carolina Panthers average, what did I say, 10, 13 points per game at home? And that's it? You've already given up 10? And I can't trust you to win this game in the second half by yourself? In fact, the offense scores 10 more points, and that's still apparently not acceptable to you? On top of the 23 they hung in the first half? That's just the dumbest, dumbest crap ever. You know, and, and, and the fact of the matter is he has to know the situation. He has to know that the defense has been terrible. He has to know that he has gone out of his way to defend the defensive coordinator, and that has caused some serious problems, not only among just the fan base and the media and everything, but also within the locker room. They're not a big fan of the fact that the players are being blamed for Joe Barry's failures. And then you come back and you, you not only double down, and, and here, here, here's, okay, I, I, I think I figured it out. I figured it out. This is, this is the brilliance of Matt LaFleur, all right? I, 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 I got it. So Matt LaFleur, the defense has had some issues, and his friend Joe Barry has not done a good job. And things have come to a head, and he has to decide what to do. Should I blame Joe Barry or should I blame somebody else? And he says, no, I'll, I'll throw out some generic line about, yeah, coaches got to be better, but at the end of the day, the players have to execute. The first part was generic. The second part was specific. And then as a result of such a stupid decision, that, that pesky consequences ha- or, or you know actions have consequences thing, some of the players are not a fan of that, and they're starting to get upset. And so Jair's starting to speak out and act out, and Devondre has publicly spoken out now. And so the very next week, Joe Barry and the defense have somehow an even worse defensive performance. One of the worst that Packer fans have seen. I'm just going to leave it at that. One of the worst we've seen, kind of period. When you factor in everything like, you know, how abysmally bad the offense is that they went up against. And so Matt LaFleur's kind of backed into a corner. And so it's like, listen, your guys are not happy. What are you going to do? Are you going to actually hold Joe Barry accountable? And he says... Well, look, I I don't want to upset the players anymore, and so I'm going to try to not talk about them because that'll fix that problem, but I also don't want to talk about Joe Barry. I know. I'll talk about the offense, and I'm not kidding you. As much as I'm kind of joking, I actually kind of think that that makes more sense than anything else I can come up with. I think he doesn't want to throw his his players on defense under the bus anymore because they're mad. But rather than actually acknowledge the problem that I made and try to correct it and start doing the right things, I'm just going to make a whole new problem and hope that that doesn't cause any problems. Like these young... Can you... Oh, Matt LaFleur, you... Oh, we're not going to make it. I keep saying, hey, three more weeks, two more weeks. We got, you know, we're almost almost there. We're not going to make it. I, I, I have been concerned 
at the potential ramifications of losing the locker room on the defensive side of things while also saying, you know, at least I feel good about the offense. They're young guys. They're motivated. They're bought in. They're playing well. And I'll be damned if Matt LaFleur isn't going to burn that to the ground too. These young guys who just went out and did the impossible, scoring 33 points with nothing, scoring on almost every offensive drive, outpacing this horrific performance to win the game with, again, injuries galore, no run game, offensive line was putrid, Frickin', uh, you know, no offensive weapons to throw to whatsoever. No offense to Bo Melton, who did have a great day and all. And then you go back to the locker room feeling good about yourselves and what you did, only to find out your head coach says you weren't good enough. And you, in fact, are the reason that the defense made the mistakes that it did. Well, he didn't say it was the reason. He just says one of the reasons. I don't give a damn. That is such a, 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 a minute point to this whole thing that is so minor when you factor in the big picture here i just don't understand how you can be so stupid unless listen the only way i'm okay with this and i'm just gonna because i'll never know i'll just pretend that this is the situation what if the players sympathize with the situation and 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 they went to matt and they're like, hey, man, it's crazy what this media is doing to you out there, man. Yeah, it's crazy. And he's like, yeah, I know, right? Like, they're trying to get me all the time. And he's like, yeah, it's terrible. We've been talking, man, and we thought about it. What if you just, like, threw us under the bus? Like, no matter what happens, just say we're to blame. And that way, like, we know you don't really mean it because we predetermined that you would say it or whatever. Like, it's no big deal. Just throw us under the bus no matter what. And we'll take the blame, and that way we'll kind of take some of the pressure off of the defense because they, they really don't need any more pressure right now. And not only can we take it, but again, I know you're, you're, you don't really mean it anyways. And so they just decided that they would blame the offense no matter what, and that's what happened. Now, that's not what happened, but heck, why not just run with it? Because the thought of the alternative is a little bit hard to comprehend, and it's a little bit hard to imagine. It's a little bit hard to just stomach and allow myself to to believe that it's a real thing that happened <sighs> so anyways that's a freaking thing now i cannot believe that happened i cannot believe the defense gave up 30 points and like 300 some odd passing yards to the panthers and the dude has the audacity to go up in front of the media and blame the offense because they didn't score on actually every drive, and that they punted three times in this game, despite, I mean, just on almost every drive being fantastic. <laughs> you know, it's like even if you don't like the amount of punts, um, or I should say the amount of three and outs, the reality is pretty much every non three and out was a score. So you freaking get over it whatever man i'm out of here you guys have a good rest of your day talk to you tomorrow have a good one bye-bye